Well, we are, uh, we are about a little over a month into a sermon series here at Trinity on the wisdom literature of the Bible, a section of, uh, or several sections of material, mostly in the Old Testament, that describe what it is to live well in the world. Wisdom, as we've been discussing it, is about uh, more of a skill or an instinct than a base of knowledge. It's more about just kind of having the right set of instincts when the time comes to know how to do well in that time, in those circumstances, and all their uniqueness. We started our, our series in Proverbs, which is what most people, if you're, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, that's probably the first place you go when you think about wisdom, is all of these sort of pithy, tweetable, short sayings that, are full, that Proverbs is full of. Uh, what, we've, what we've done in the last few weeks is try to set the stage with some of the early material in Proverbs that describes the beauty of, of wisdom. And then now we want to turn to some examples that Proverbs gives of what it looks like to be wise in practice. Now, here's the thing. The examples that we're going to give are scattered all through the book. There's not like one section in one particular chapter that's all about words or all about money. There's little pithy sayings scattered all through. So it seems to us like the best way to get into that material is to arrange the next messages for about the next two months around topics that are important to Proverbs, and then try to collect all the different places in Proverbs where the topic is addressed and make some sense out of it all and package it for you. And what I want to start with this morning, what I want to start is with our words. And the reason we want to start with our words is because that's the most frequent topic in Proverbs. Of its hobby horses that it constantly goes back to, it goes back to words more than any other. It's all over the book, scattered throughout. Partly because of the importance to Proverbs that we start here. It's also partly because of the power of words. What we know, that the way we relate to each other, the way we relate to our world is through the things that we say. Proverbs claims in Proverbs 18.21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. I wonder if that sounds extreme to you. Maybe it does at first. Death and life, really? But think about it a little bit more. How many of you can trace where you are now, whatever path you're on now, where it's led you, through your training, to your profession, to your family, whatever? How many of you can trace where you are now back to something someone that you respect said to you to encourage you? I think you'd be good at this. I think you ought to think about that here's something I'm noticing in you would be well used here. How many of you? Or on the negative side, how many of you have lifelong, lifelong insecurity about something said by a cruel middle schooler or something unsaid by a parent whose affection you long for? How many of us have read the stories of teens who commit suicide or businesses who are shut down because of hate speech in social media. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And beyond the power of the words themselves, there is what these words say about us. Jesus himself, steeped in the wisdom of Proverbs, said in Matthew chapter 12 that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. That the words we say are windows into who we are, into what we love, into what we desire. So much rides on what we do 
with the power of our words. And what we want to do this morning is cobble together the wisdom of Proverbs and try to make some sense out of what wise words look like. Now, what I've done, if you have a worship, hopefully you've got a worship guide, you can follow along here. We are not going to have time to get into all of the places that Proverbs talks about words, but I've included almost all of the references on the worship guide that you have. So I've organized them, you can see it on your guide, into three categories, and then put the references that go with each category. I'm going to hit a bunch of those really fast. We won't have time to turn to them all. But I want you to have that so you can go home and maybe think on it more, maybe read some of these references for yourself to get a deeper look at, at, at what wise words look like. I want to I walk through a, a sort of profile of wise words. Here's the first thing we need to notice. It start, it's, we start here because it's foundational to everything else about wise words in Proverbs. Wise words are true. Wise words are true. I want to begin by reading a, a, a passage from Proverbs that addresses this. This will be our, our public reading for this sermon today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I read from Proverbs chapter 8. I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 8. There's a, a few verses here in a famous poem about wisdom that address the truthfulness of our words. I want to read those as our public reading this morning, and then we'll be seated and dive into the to other references. This is the word of the Lord from Proverbs chapter 8. Hear, for I will speak noble things. This is wisdom talking. And from my lips will come what is right. From my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They're all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Wisdom is about living in the world as it is. We've been saying that all through this series. Wisdom doesn't need to pretend. Wisdom faces up to reality. And wisdom represents that reality clearly to others. The wise, in other words, they don't have to be afraid to speak the truth. This theme comes out in the poem that we just read. Here, wisdom says, I will speak noble things. From my lips come what's right. My mouth will utter truth. Now, you're hearing that probably feeling so far so good. Maybe you can't even remember the last time you, you told a straight up lie, you know? A, no, mom, I did not take a cookie out of the cookie jar kind of lie when you know you did it. Maybe, maybe you can't remember the last time you told a lie like that. So you, f- you feel good so far. You're reading this. Yeah, out of my mouth, Proverbs, Proverbs says, I, I, I'm, I look like wisdom. Out of, my, out of my mouth comes truth. But there's more. Proverbs won't let us off that easy. Never does. All the words of my mouth are righteous, the poem reads. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. What's he getting at there? Not a straight up, no mom, I didn't take the cookie out of the cookie jar kind of lie. But a spinning of the truth. A crookedness to the truth that makes the truth harder to recognize. The wise are free from all creative framing in their words. Their words are not meant to obscure what's true, to clean it up, to spin it, but to make it understandable. Or as this text put it, the words of the wise, they're all straight to him who understands. 
Proverbs presses this in, the this, this same point, that how lying, being dishonest with our words, can look like more than just what we would think of as a black and white lie. That there's, there's spin, there's creative framing of what's true so that people get the wrong impression. Then here's another example that Proverbs goes to often. Another example of dishonesty. Flattery. This is the South. Okay, this is the big one for us, right? We flatter big time. Big flatterer right here that you're looking at. And boy, I love a little flattery too, every now and then. Uh, uh, look, encouragement is a good thing. We're going to get to that in, in a little bit. It's a good thing. Uh, but there's a way to say something nice that's harmful for you and for the person that you're talking to. Uh, but one of the, one of the references that, uh, in Proverbs to this sort of untrue speech is in chapter 26. We won't take time to read it, but the image there is what I want to pull out. In chapter 26, verses 23 to 25, the image is one of, a, of an earthen pot, pottery, with a glaze over it, right? The, the words that we speak in flattery glaze over what's really in our hearts. Sometimes we can flatter someone that we don't even like because flattery serves us, right? It helps, it helps us get what we want from them. It gives us the kind of connection to them that we want. It's manipulative and self-serving. In fact, far from serving them, it can actually be deadly. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 5 says that a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Wisdom knows that if you shade the truth, consequences always come back on you. Proverbs twelve nineteen says that truthful lips endure forever. Maybe some short-term pain from being honest about the truth, but, but they endure. Lying lips, on the other hand, the lying tongue is but for a moment. In the moment, it might have felt like it served you well, but it won't last. And ultimately, Proverbs twelve twenty two says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. He hates it. So the one who fears the Lord, as we've seen in Proverbs, the one who has the fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of all wisdom, has no need to shade the truth. They speak truly. Wise words are true. But there's more. So far, so good. The wise are those who tell it like it is. They're the straight shooters. They're not hypocrites. They're real. They're authentic. That's true. But wisdom, wisdom is more than authenticity. It is far more than authenticity. Wise words are not just true. Wise words are careful. Wise words are careful. Proverbs 13.3 says, Whoever guards his mouth, preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So what does it look like to guard your mouth? To be careful what you say. Proverbs points the way. On one hand, Being careful with your words is about being careful about the quantity of words that you speak. Proverbs has got some really good and in some cases some pretty funny stuff about how much we speak. Encouraging the wise to speak less, to be quiet, to get over yourself. Uh, The wise are those who restrain themselves, who hold back from speaking. Here's what chapter 10 verse 19 says. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The more you speak, the more likely you're going to mess up. Hurt yourself, hurt other people. Here's an ironic way that Proverbs put it. 
puts it in uh, chapter 17, verses 27 and 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. It reminds me of our proverb. Uh, This one doesn't go back to Proverbs, but better to be thought a fool and remain silent than to open your mouth and prove the point, right? (laughs) Proverbs is about... Uh, and Pro- Proverbs points us to the fact that wise words are those that are carefully chosen. You don't just say whatever comes into your mind to say, even if it's true. And it makes sense, because one of the things we've seen about wisdom is that the wise are those who don't think themselves to be wise. The wise are those who aren't wise in their own eyes. They get their limits. They get there's a lot more that they're seeing, that a lot more to the world than what they're seeing, that they need others speaking in. So the wise hold themselves back. They want to hear what other people have to say. They would prefer that others say it if it's possible. So so here's the payoff, friends. Talking a lot is not just about personality. I mean, we all know that some of us are more loquacious than others. That means talkative. I learned that for the GRE exam that I took a few years back. Loquacious. (laughs) Some of us are more loquacious than others. Uh, and, and it just comes natural to us. But talking a lot is not just about personality. Friends, it could be. It could be revealing pride and folly in you. It could be that it stems from your assumption that you have something to say others couldn't. That you must get it out. They must hear me. So are you a person who talks a lot? Do you know that? One way or the other? What would, your, uh, what would your spouse say? What would your colleagues in the office say? Or in the lab? What would your, what would your uh, fellow students in your seminar say? What about your small group? I wonder, if, if it's your tendency to be the first one to talk every time, if it might not be healthy, first for you to ask someone if they've noticed that in you, somebody you trust, somebody who you take that well from. And then to just practice saying less. To make a game of it almost. Like, I'm not going to say anything until two people talk. That's, that's not beneath Proverbs. It's that kind of wisdom that Proverbs is talking about. I'm going to practice this. And I'm going to always try to only say what hasn't been said yet and has to be said. Proverbs is careful about the quantity of our words, but uh, even more than the quantity of our words, Proverbs points us towards being careful with the quality of our words, with what sorts of things we say. Remember, they're true. We start there. It has to be true, but just because it's true doesn't mean we have to say it. Being open and authentic and vulnerable doesn't give us a right to say things that are hurtful to other people, for example. The wise are those who listen before they speak. They make sure they know what it is they're speaking into. This is what Proverbs 18, 13 says. If one gives an answer before he hears, before he's really heard what's been said, if he answers a question because he thinks that he knows what the question is, but without actually hearing it, it's his folly and shame. The wise care enough about the person they're talking to to seek understanding first. They don't speak from defensiveness or from, from a desire to be protective or dismissive. And once, once the wise have heard what's actually been said and understood it, then the wise think about what to say. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, 
but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. See, see, the wise aren't just looking for true words. They're looking for the right word at the right time. Proverbs celebrates the ability to speak the right word at the right time in several different places. Here's one of them, 1523. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. Or Proverbs 1511. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. I think that means they're precious. Not exactly the image I would have chosen. Apples of gold, setting of silver. But I think it means that they're, they're precious. The wise take everything into account, right? They pay attention. And then, only then, do they answer. In other words, I mean, here's another way to put it. The wise filter themselves. They get that they're limited. That they're influenced by sin. That they have selfish desires that come out when they speak what's natural. So they filter what comes natural. The wise know, here's, here's the last word on the subject. The wise know what Proverbs 29 11 says. That it's a fool that gives full vent to his spirit. But a wise man quietly holds it back. It's a fool who gives full vent to his spirit. Who says what they want to say when they want to say it. But a wise man who holds it back. Wise words are true. Wise words are careful. And wise words are helpful. Right, here, this takes us one step further. What are we aiming for? Careful means we're aiming for something, right? We're going to choose the right words for the right time. That means that we have something we want to accomplish. What is it? Proverbs is crystal clear on this. It's words that are going to be helpful to the people that hear them. So Proverbs talks about how the, the word can be life-giving. For example, take Proverbs chapter 10. Verse 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Verse 21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. Helpful is a word I chose, but it's actually not a great word. It's, I chose it because it's the most generic, but it's much more rich than that in Proverbs. Think not just helpful, but nourishing and life-giving and encouraging and upbuilding and clarifying. The, the wise should seek to use words that are going to help people, that are going to give life. Verse 18 of chapter 12 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The wise get that they can hurt or they can heal with the things that they say. And their main criteria for what they choose to say when they've got a wide range of things that they could say is whether or not this word is going to bring healing to the person that hears it. So be careful. And aim at healing. It isn't saying that the wise never experience conflict. Actually, most, a lot of, I'll say, a lot of what Proverbs says about our words assumes conflict. That's why Proverbs 15 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The wise are those who see in the moment, I could say this, I know you well enough. To know if I said this, it would go straight to your heart. And I'm going to choose not to say it. But instead, I'm going to say something gentle. Because even though I want to come at you, I know that's not good for you or for me. The wise, Think of it in any close relationship that you have. The closer you are, the more you know, more than others, where the person is vulnerable. 
where they're weak or sensitive. You know how to jab at them. That's a great power to have over somebody. The wise get it, and that's why they hold themselves back. They look to rein things in, not to escalate the conflict. Here's another example. So, so, so conflict is addressed a lot in how we use our words. Here's another example. Proverbs goes back to over and over. The example of gossip. Proverbs usually use, doesn't, uh, the, the words that you'll find translated here are usually not gossip, more like slander or whispering. Those are the two that, that my translation uses over and over again. Chapter 26, verse 22 says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. We love it. Something about gossip that can be addictive. Something about hearing something negative about others that makes us feel better about ourselves or maybe that makes us feel like we have a special connection to the person who's telling us the information. That they must not see us that way or they wouldn't have told us this about that other person, that we share some sort of bond. It's a, it's a drug. But it is devastating in its effects on all genuine community. And friends, one of the most important prayers you can ever pray for our church is that God would protect us from a culture where gossip is okay. Gossip may feel good in the moment, but its effects on us are devastating. The things we say might be true, but they are always unwise. They're unwise because they're not just. One of the things Proverbs says about the whisperer or the slanderer is that they are one who reveals secrets. The idea being that the negative thing you know about somebody else that you're tempted to pass on doesn't really belong to you. That's information that's theirs. And it's not your place to share it. Here's what Proverbs uh, 11.13 says. Whoever goes about slandering, spreading negative information about someone else, reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Here's another example. Proverbs 20, verse 9. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, don't associate with the simple babbler. Telling the person who might be on the receiving end of someone else's slander, you've got to cut it off. It's always unwise because gossip, by definition, is not helpful to anybody. It's information about someone who's not there to hear it. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's something they need to hear, but they're not going to benefit from it. So the only possible gain from gossip is that it helps me feel better about myself or helps me win the favor of the person I'm talking to. Maybe it gives me the therapeutic value of sort of venting expressing my frustration, but it does no one else any good. And because it's not helpful, it can't be wise. Gossip tears apart genuine Christian community for a reason that Proverbs points to in a couple of examples. It separates close friends. It, it, the, the essence of Christian community, what, what has to be true for it to work, is that we have to be able to trust that I can live with you, that I can open up to you about the things I'm not proud of. That I can live close enough to you where you can see about me what I'm not proud of. But I can trust you not to share what I've shared with you or not to notice something negative in me that you share with somebody besides me. Otherwise, I'm going to be guarded. 
I'm going to hold back from you. I'm going I'm to watch what I say to you and watch how much I show myself to you because, because my secrets might get out. Now, I need to live in openness by all means. Vulnerability is, is at the essence of Christian community as well. But, but the, the kind of community that encourages vulnerability where we're open about where, we, where we're weak, about where we have need, depends upon the people to whom we open up protecting it like some sort of precious china that know it belongs to us and not to them. Now, friends, I know that this is, there's a gray area here sometimes, right? What about the two friends who have another friend who's, who's hurting or who's struggling with something? They want to help that friend. Can they never talk about that friend's problem? I mean, the thing about wisdom is that there is no law. It's not always black and white. Wisdom requires knowing what to do in the moment. So I'm not going to give you a black and white law. I just want to give you a couple of questions to think about to help guide yourself as you, as you think through what to say and to whom. Here's a couple of questions. Would you say the thing you're saying if the person were there? That one helps out sometimes. Would I say it if they were right here? Some gossip will get written off or, or dismissed from that question. But we ought to push further. Would I be okay knowing somebody said something similar about me behind my back? Is what I'm saying, here's another one, is what I'm saying likely to give a negative impression about the person I'm describing? So, so the person who's receiving my words, what are they likely to think about the person I'm talking about because of the things that I say? Remember, it's their info. Proverbs calls it their secret. Here's another one. What good, besides getting it off my chest or gaining an advocate or making myself look better, what good can come from me saying what I'm saying right now? Who will it help? Because ultimately, the wise words are helpful words. They don't vent frustration about somebody else who's not around. Because that's not going to help anyone get past whatever's causing the frustration. God help us. It's too complicated for us to be perfect in every case. What we want is a culture where we're running away from gossip and not pushing the boundaries. Where we don't get just close enough to where we feel like, oh, maybe I've crossed the line. But where where we're protecting one another. Being careful. Seeking to help. Now, I'm out of time this morning, so I don't have time to unpack the possibility of wise words. But wise words are true, wise words are careful, and they're helpful. That's the wisdom of Proverbs. But the portrait I've drawn here today is, a, is a, almost an extreme one. I mean, the, the notion of any of us living with this kind of care and attention to our words can seem daunting. And we all know we've been guilty, right? Even Today, probably all of us have sinned with our words somehow. So, so we can't preach a Christian sermon about wisdom of words without going to Christ and seeing how it is that he saves those of us who have been foolish with our words and without seeing how Jesus makes it possible for us to speak differently, for us to be wiser than we have been. I don't have time to unpack this, but again, for, to encourage you for this afternoon or for later this week or in your small groups, I want you to read Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 to 7. This is a passage where Paul unpacks the difference in lifestyle that comes when a person recognizes they are with Jesus now. They are hidden 
with him. And I want you to notice how often he talks about things that relate to words in this picture of the new person. Because what Jesus told us is that our words ultimately point to what's in our hearts. When you lie, why do you lie? When you shade the truth or flatter someone, isn't it to either protect yourself or to promote yourself? One or the other? Isn't it to protect yourself from from giving an impression you don't want to give of yourself or to promote yourself to gain someone's favor? Why do you think you need to protect yourself or promote yourself if not some insecurity that's inside all of us that worries whether or not we're good enough? And what Paul and other New Testament writers always point us to is that the promise of Jesus is that we are worthy because of him, that our Father accepts us, the God who made us, and that with his acceptance, we don't have to worry about the acceptance of other people. The fear of the Lord who has saved us sets us free from the fear of man that causes us to lie, to shade the truth, to flatter others, or to spread gossip about them. The key to us having words that are true consistently, careful consistently, and helpful consistently is a security in who we are in Jesus who has lived and died and risen again for us. Apart from that security, apart from driving in the message of Colossians 3, we won't be wise with our words, but it's possible, friends, because Jesus has come and he transforms everything, including how we speak to each other. God, we need your spirit to apply the work of Jesus to us so that our words begin to reflect more of the words of our Savior who always knew what to say, who always spoke truth, who always got right to the point and helped people to understand, but who was careful, whose words were dripping with grace to those who were wounded and broken, who always knew how to heal. We want words like his words. So we thank you for the promise that in Christ We have everything we need and nothing to protect. So we have no reason to fear being honest. And in Christ, we have received gifts beyond all comprehension. So we are free to give ourselves away and to care more about helping other people than protecting ourselves. These are the gifts that Jesus has promised us. We need you and your spirit to apply them to us so that we get it, so that we see it, so that our hearts are captive to it. And for that, we pray to you because only you can do that for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.